0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.
1: We've all heard about road rage leading to violence. Now it seems to have moved to the parking lot. Yep we've all seen bad behavior in parking lots, but the fights are usually verbal. So here's a story. A brawl took place at a Mississauga Costco parking lot over a parking spot. One driver attacked another with keys. Witnesses called the police, captured it on video, and a 37-year-old man was charged with assault with a weapon in the aftermath of that incident over a parking spot? Now, people, I would like to hear from you about some of the bad behavior you've seen in parking spots. Uh, I'd be happy to tell you about mine. The numbers to call 416 360 0740. Toll free 1 866 740 4740. But frankly, you know, between that and, and the kind of road rage incidents that we are hearing more and more of, I'm not sure if I'm surprised that it happened or that it doesn't happen more often. So joining me now is Dr. Steve Albrecht. He's a threat assessment expert and a former, uh, former police officer, and he is in Springfield, Missouri. Dr. Albrecht, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, happy to be here with you to talk about this issue. Uh,
1: so uh, how common is that uh, violence in a parking lot over a parking spot?
2: I mean, if you look at the concept of violence in general, we see it at the mall, we see it in parking spaces, we see it at movie theaters. So human beings are violent creatures. It's not a surprise that it gets spread out from places we sort of expect it to be, shootings and whatnot. But the road rage thing is kind of be taken at places like the airplane, uh, on the subway, uh, in any kind of situation where people are close together and there's conflict.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what what makes one person sort of let it go. Somebody scoops my parking spot. uh, It annoys me, but I'll let it go. Uh, And another person, you know, go to fisticuffs.
2: It's a big connection to anger and really unmanaged anger. People that have a hard time with the stressors in their life take it out on other people. The smallest thing sets them off. You and I would be irritated for five seconds and move on. They're irritated for the rest of their day. And they have a tendency to do these things in lots of situations where somebody bumps into them, or there's some social situation, and it really goes back to just unmanaged anger.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, how do you know if you have unmanaged anger?
2: Well, the people around you may tell you uh, it's not a great thing to do in front of your kids or your spouse or partner. A lot of people put their job, their their freedom, their health at risk with unmanaged anger, meaning that you know when they lash out and they end up getting arrested or getting fired, sometimes they're you know, deeply sorry about it afterwards, but they don't have the insight when those types of anger feelings are happening to stop themselves.
1: You know, what's the line though? I mean, it's one thing you might have uh, unmanaged anger and you might yell at somebody, but again, the, the line from that into violence.
2: Well, there's a couple steps. The first step is some type of grievance, and the other thing is some type of violent ideation. Sometimes you have a grievance against somebody which lasts weeks or months or years, you know, an ex-spouse or a former boss or somebody that did you wrong as a friend, but we don't have a violent ideation towards them. People that lash out like this, parking lots, road rage, things like that, the movement from a grievance to a violent ideation takes place over a matter of seconds.
1: Hmm. And, and is there a certain sense of entitlement involved? It's like, that was my parking spot.
2: If you look at road rage, whether it's on the road or in parking spaces, people have a sense of territoriality. You know, there's a phrase we, we hear sometimes, I do own the whole road. And there's a sense that, that when people are in close spaces with each other, and the other factor is being anonymous. Inside your car, nobody knows who you are, and there's no consequences typically for your behavior. I mean, unless you get captured on video or the cops happen to be nearby or security or something like that, there's probably not many consequences for you flipping somebody off or getting out of your car and threatening them. There's not a lot of consequences to that behavior. So being anonymous and no consequences and the concept of this sort of territoriality, which is, this is my parking space, my piece of the road, it's a bad combination.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And I guess people don't realize like this guy, it's over a parking spot, but now he's facing a criminal charge, not a joke.
2: I mean, oftentimes people that do these things don't have much sense of insight into their own lives. And so they, they smash around from one situation to another where their anger gets them in trouble Sometimes it's connected to alcohol. Sometimes it's connected to just, you know, immaturity. We can have people that are, you know, fairly old that do these things. It's not just a young man's game. But but this sense of, of unmanaged anger gets them into all kinds of problems. And then the only time they sometimes get insight is when the judge says, you got to go to treatment or, you know, it's part of your probation or I'm going to put you in jail or your health is at risk or your relationships are at risk. People say, I can't be around you when you're like this. Sometimes they the light comes on. Sometimes it doesn't.
1: And... Uh, you know, what are some some tips like what do you you know, you get mad somebody scoops your parking spot, maybe the mall is crowded, you know, what do you do count to 10? That's what we all hear count to 10, take a deep breath.
2: I mean, it's a lot of those things where you just say, first off, what's the impact on my life? And the answer is pretty small. And the second thing is, do I want somebody to ruin my day based on this really teeny issue that happens? People sometimes do things, you know, they cut you off without them knowing about it, or they take the space. They didn't see you, so sometimes their behavior is accidental. But sometimes people just hold us a grudge for these things where they can't let it go. We'll talk about it two hours later and where you and I would have gone on with it and said, This is not gonna be a day ruiner for me, they keep going. So it's it's a lot deeper than sort of take a deep breath, but it starts there. And you know, we have a lot of unmanaged stress in our culture anyway, whether it's traffic or weather or too hot, too cold, too many people, too close. You know, people feel put upon and, and there's space issues. In your car, there are spacious issues when you're a pedestrian, which gets on people's nerves.
1: You know, uh, here in Toronto, uh, we have a big congestion issue, and it's it's gotten worse lately. There's a vast amount of construction, uh, and, you know, I think that has contributed to road rage. Uh, it's it's really, I mean, it really is, it's really stressful <laughs> to <laughs> get anywhere,
2: I mean, if you look at, at, you know, in America where I am, most right. cities in the United States have traffic issues, especially downtown. Parking is hugely expensive. If you go to cities like New York and San Francisco, the, you know, the parking will be $65 for, for an hour, you know, in a hotel parking lot. I mean, it's just outrageous. And so people feel a lot of stress. They can't seem to park near where they want to get to, Going to some type of event or something like that. It's, it's pretty difficult. And then, you know, it just adds to the general stress that we have, traffic in general, is, is pretty horrific around you know a lot of major cities. There's always construction. Um, add in some hot weather, and it's not a great mix.
1: So what do you tell people to do?
2: Well, I, I think from a safety perspective, don't get out of your car and engage with people that are wanting to fight you. I mean, there's there's a sense that people say, well, if someone pulls over to the side of the road to want to fight me, I have to pull over to the side of the road and fight them as well, or at least get out or try to say my piece. The answer is no way. Keep driving. And and get on your cell phone and take take video or take pictures or call the police from your or the state state police or the troopers from your car from a safe position. But don't get out and engage with people. I see these videos all the time online that people send me, and I'm like, why would this person get out of the car and engage with somebody who's armed or could be armed?
1: Well, or that's mentally that's ill.
2: Or, generally, or not
1: the case in Canada that they'd be armed. But anyway,
2: yeah, I, I still say you can still be armed with a ball bat okay. or any kind of stick or knife. That you could get killed for a parking space or somebody cutting you off or something like that is ridiculous, so this idea of not engaging with these people is the other one. I like tinted windows. I suggest to people not to make eye contact with other people or get into a finger flipping situation. It's just not good for your your you know safety and it's also not good for your psychological sense
1: mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it can be important, say, not to have tinted windows to make eye contact with uh, pedestrians who, uh, you know, have uh, headphones and aren't watching where they're going and that kind of a thing.
2: Yeah, I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, I highway. know. But but um, that's not necessarily a, a, a safe choice for other reasons. Um, is, is there anything? Don't, don't
2: people have tinted windows in, in Canada?
1: Yeah, they do. Uh, okay. but. Yeah, they do. But uh, it's, uh, you know, we also have a big issue with uh, injuries for pedestrians, especially older pedestrians. And, and uh, from that point of view, it's, it's good to be able to make eye contact or other people true. to make eye contact with
2: you. Yeah, that's true. I'm talking about, yeah, I where, know. you know, people mad dog each other yeah. by making faces and flipping each other off. It's just not safe to do that. You don't know who's in the other car. And this idea of trying to be anonymous in your own car, just get to where you need to go safely without having to get in a confrontation is, is, you know, should be our goal every single time we get behind the wheel. Uh,
1: If somebody is sent to anger management, what what does that entail?
2: There's a a lot of ways that goes. Sometimes it can be a group sessions where people meet. Oftentimes we see this with domestic violence perpetrators who have been, been sent to anger management programs as part of a court order. Um, It could be possible to do one-on-one sessions. Um, Some people forget that in their organizations, if they work for a company that has something called an Employee Assistance Program or an EAP, um, that can be free counseling for them, up to five sessions for free as part of their employee benefits. They can also get a referral from their medical doctor to a psychologist uh, you know, for that type of counseling as well. And what we find is the anger, if we can address that, is typically connected to other issues like depression or family problems or substance abuse then their life gets better pretty quickly.
1: We are talking about that parking lot rage incident, which resulted in criminal charges. We seem to be seeing more and more of these kinds of things. And Dr. Albrecht, is there a difference between violence in a parking lot or violence, road rage, or in a bar or somewhere else? Or is it all basically the same thing?
2: Yeah, it's pretty connected. This idea of getting out and engaging with somebody else over something that happens in a bar or in the street or in a parking lot or in the road is all pretty connected to anger. It's pretty connected to their sense of superiority over somebody else, no consequences in the behavior. There's also kind of a narcissism attached to this, which is, you know, I do own the whole world and I do own the whole road.
1: And is there anything uh, that, uh, you know, is connected to some sense of masculinity, like, you know, in old movies, real men, you know, take it outside,
2: anything like that? I think that is connected. Unfortunately, we're also seeing it in in women as well. I've seen lots of road rage videos involving um, soccer moms, which is pretty surprising. Women are supposed to be more biologically careful in terms of protecting themselves and their their kids, And, and men do these things all the time. But it's, it's disturbing to me to see women do these things as well. But there is a sense of sort of this male macho behavior, which I have to prove this person, you know, that I'm superior, whether it's my fists or my feet or what other kind of weapon. And, you know, that's that's an immaturity, which happens no matter what your age is.
1: I have to say I've I've only witnessed one incident involving a, a woman, and I was just completely shocked. And it, it happened during a snowstorm, and I was kind of too... I I was two cars behind a car that was completely stuck. They really couldn't go anywhere because of a great big mound of snow on a small street and obviously there was going to be a problem. Uh and the car in front of me, she got out and uh you know the driver put down uh, their their window because, you know, and uh that woman started just started hitting her. I've never seen anything like it in my life.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's um, unfortunate. And, you know, those types of things, there's some kind of snapping point with people, and who knows what it is. That's maybe the fifth thing in that woman's day. But, you know, that's unfortunate that people have to feel like that's how they solve their problems. It's, it's just, it's a good way to end up in jail or in the hospital, and it's just the wrong message to send to your kids.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, again, what could that woman have done before she got out? I mean, and, and especially in a situation where it's a, hey, nobody's going anywhere here.
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's sort of a, a national sense of impatience that people have. And you say, I, I need to be patient for the situation that I can't fix. You, you see it at the airport when people are super upset about things that are beyond their control, weather, mechanical delays, and, and they're super upset, very angry at the airline, at the pilots, whoever, for something that's not, not their fault. And I think there's a general sense of, of impatience in our culture. You know, you think about how fast we go for everything now. You know, the idea of a sort of 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week world. Is now 72 hours, you know, crammed into one week. Everybody's on their phones. Everybody's in a hurry. There's just a sort of national sense of impatience.
1: And that plays into it.
2: I think so because, you know, you, you run out of ideas. And, you know, you hear people talk about, I just saw red or I sort of blanked out or, you know, I woke up and I was in jail. Or by the time I realized what had went on, I'd already smashed this person's car or something stupid like that. And they don't have insight early on in the process. They don't say, I need to slow down my breathing. I need to focus on on uh, not doing something that, that's going to be, you know, I'm going to regret later on. But they don't think about it till, till the end. And sometimes they're very, very upset with themselves and they feel bad about it, but it's been too late.
1: And how much of this is connected, as you said, to alcohol abuse?
2: I, I think, you know, when I was a cop in California, when I started back in the 80s, my training officer said, everybody you talk to after dark will have alcohol in their breath. And I said, that can't be true. And everybody I talked to once the sun went down had alcohol in their breath. So the idea that, you know, alcohol sort of disinhibits people, give them permission to act out. The small guy that wants to fight the big guy in the bar that would never do that when he was sober, we see people get a different sort of sense of, of their behavior under the influence of alcohol, and it's not great.
1: No, it certainly isn't. Uh, and um, you've just written a book called Road Rage 101. Does does it have some strategies in it?
2: Yeah, it does. It's about stress management. It's about also sort of two two parts. One is what do you do if you're somebody who has anger issues, how to get some help, and what that process looks like, especially for men. Men, men have a stigma about reaching out for mental health help. They'll, they'll wait till they're drowning before they reach for the life preserver. And then the second part is how do you live your life in a safe way so that you're not involved in these situations out on the road where you do things that are about safety, especially for women, you know, I don't encourage women to get out of their car and, and talk to anybody, you know, if you have to crack the window to do that. Even if you get in an accident, you don't necessarily have to get out of your car. You could still conduct the business you need to until the police get there, you know, through, the, through a little piece of your window rather than getting out and engaging with somebody.
1: Yeah, I, I think there have been some incidents that involve people who uh, were in accidents or crashes, as we call them.
2: Yeah, there's, there's also a sort of a staged accident, sort of a crew of people that go around with doing insurance scams and things like that, where they put a lot of intimidating pressure on people. And when they get into a crash, they make it sound like it's their fault, even though they staged the crash. So I'm, I'm always careful, you know, when, when we engage anybody out on the highway, when you get out of your car, you have to assess the situation, say, do I need to be in my car? I'll just stay in here and call the, call the police, the highway patrol until they get here. I don't need to get out necessarily. Uh
1: huh. And uh, uh, what else? You were talking about group therapy earlier. I think that would be intimidating for some people.
2: Yeah, except what we find, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous. It's, there's a sense of this person's situation is similar to mine. And isn't it funny how we all share the same sort of problems as human beings and to hear somebody else talk about a very similar situation that happened to them and what the consequences were can be enlightening for some people.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but getting them there, I guess, is the problem.
2: Especially for men. I mean, there's a stigma about reaching out for mental health help. We look at police and firefighters who kill themselves at a pretty dramatic rate. The suicidality in that profession comes from not being exposed to trauma and not wanting to reach out for any kind of support or help because it doesn't seem macho or manly.
1: Mm-hmm. And and uh, over there, there, well, there are also incidents of violence involving police officers, inappropriate violence. Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, the exposure to violence as... You know, as human beings, it's not good for us later on in terms of our development. It creates anxiety and depression. And, you know, we see kids that are exposed to to childhood violence grow up to be violent adults.
1: Um, Yeah. So um, so basically the message is uh, if you get mad, just kind of chill out uh, take it, slow down your breathing, take a deep breath, maybe have a drink of water if it's available and don't get out of your car if somebody else is mad at you, right?
2: And, and ignore their behavior and get to work on time or get to get to your house on time and don't get into situations where people are following you or chasing you or don't try to, you know, drive, drive to your house with some, some maniac behind you. It's just not safe.
1: Okay. And if, uh, if, if somebody does try to follow you, what do you do?
2: I think you call the police and you describe the situation to the dispatcher. That's one of the benefits we have of cell phones to say, you know, we can stay on the line with them until the cops get behind this person. You know, don't don't pull over and and and, you know, wait for the police to get there. drive carefully, but get out of this person's way. Oftentimes what we see in these situations is the person who's chasing this other car that they're angry at, they lose they lose patience. They they decide to go on their way. I mean, if it gets worse than that, you know, stay on the phone until the dispatchers can get the police to where you are.
1: Mm-hmm. And try to get the license plate,
2: of course. You know, what a lot of police agencies do, especially the highway patrols, is they have undercover cars, which are all they look for is aggressive drivers. All they look for is is dangerous drivers. All they look for is people that are engaging in high-risk behaviors behind the wheel. And they catch those guys and and arrest them. That's an arrestable offense.
1: Okay, I'm not sure we have those here. (laughs) Anything else that you would like to leave us with?
2: I mean, it's just all about patience with each other. And I think sometimes we get caught up in our, our own stressors and we forget everybody else has the same stressors that we do. A little bit of patience, a little bit of focus on yourself rather than everybody else. These things would go away.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time, Dr. Steve Albrecht.
0: Thanks, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.